Blog Talk Radio. WIJSF.com. Women in Jazz South Florida Inc. is a nonprofit educational organization that promotes women musicians globally through events, concerts, performances, clinics, lectures, workshops, articles, interviews, newsletters, courses, contacts, research, history, archives, websites, film, audio and video recordings, and recognition. Visit us at wijsf.com. You're listening to blogtalkradio.com slash musicwoman with your host, Diva JC.
Good afternoon. This is Dr. Diva JC here on Music Woman Radio. And what a powerful song. What is wrong with America? And music will say it. If nothing else will say it, music will say it. So let me bring my guest in. As uh, artists, you know, to speak what a lot of people can't say, you know. That's what we try to do. Hello, Larry. Yes. You've been muted. We didn't hear anything you said. Okay. You didn't hear anything? um, No. So just a minute. So let me introduce Larry Cantwell, the composer of Something's Wrong with America. Good evening, Larry. How are you? Good evening, uh, Diva JC. How are you today? I'm terrific. So, Larry, usually I start this interview with a bio sketch, but I want to go right into your reasoning for composing Something's Wrong with America. Okay, well, here's how it happened. You know, it's really been uh, just about a year now uh, since I wrote the song. Uh, it was, of course, as you know, a year ago, the, the uh, you know, give or take a few weeks, the, the George Floyd um, protests were in full bloom. And uh, I have to be honest with you, how the song came about, it came to me. I feel the song was a gift, and uh, it just appeared. And um, I felt as if I was taking dictation, in a sense, writing the song and just simply following where it wanted to go. Right. That that's how okay. it came together quickly. And you know, the, the the lyrics if you look at them um I I am as you can see by my bio I'm I'm a white person. Um I I could have sung it, you know, you don't believe it, you know, everything could have been written from the person the, the viewpoint of a white person watching a black person's experience. But I decided, no, this is not good. This cannot be this way. And therefore, the song had to be sung. It was completely from a, a black person's perspective. And the thing that had struck me is even before the George uh, Floyd protests happened, was reading stories on the Internet of of, of black people being accosted by a barbecuing and just doing simple activities uh, where racism was being encountered. And I, I tried to include that in the lyrics. So the lyrics are almost as if I was just a reporter writing down things uh, and just putting them, putting them into words. And so therefore, when it came time to find a vocalist, I, I found T.S. Rose, uh, she is uh, the daughter of a uh, – her father is Andre DeSantis, and we had played many gigs together, like Caribbean music and stuff like that. In the years gone by, he plays the pans. And she had been on the road with Drake, and I heard – you know, I listened to some of the things that she sang, and so I contacted her, and she did – she agreed to sing it, and she did a great job. I mean, she – really, uh, you know, did everything I could have possibly asked and as far as putting her inspiration into it. And, uh, and I, to, you know, if you listen closely to her voice, she's almost got like a, like an Aretha vibe in her voice. And, um, so that's it. That's, that's how it came about. 
Right. Now, how many songs would you say you have written, Larry? Have I written, period? Yes. Uh, I'd say a good 200 or so. Mm-hmm. And when did you, you know, how did you first come to music as a child? Well, if I were to go all the way back as a child, uh, my mother always told the story that when I was about two or three, four, yeah, very young, she would put classical music on. And so one day a piece by Beethoven was playing. She put classical music on. And I was sitting there crying, and she turned around and said to me, Larry, why are you crying? And I said, because the music sounds sad. It affected me emotionally. So I guess music uh, always affected me all the way back, dating back to childhood. Okay. And it says that you um, you studied music theory, right? Yes. What did you study? Well, I had a, you know, a bunch of very good teachers along the way. Uh, mm-hmm. I, as far as going to schools, I went to Manhattan School. We, these were, you know, uh, at night courses that I took, Manhattan School, Manus. And I had a lot of private teachers, uh, Mick Goodrick, uh, the great Mick Goodrick up in Boston. Uh, probably my biggest influence as a teacher was Mike Longo. I don't know if you're familiar with Mike. I know Mike uh, Longo. Yeah. Mike Longo, yes. And he was uh, Dizzy Gillespie's uh, music director for many years. Mm-hmm. And he really taught to me the the, the rhythms, um, the, the implicit rhythms that were behind the, the songs of Charlie Parker and, and Dizzy Gillespie. Um, Dizzy Gillespie had a line where he said, when I play... I fill my bar up with rhythm, my measure up with rhythm. But he didn't mean by that just the simple rhythms that we all know. He meant like that everything was like a, like an Afro six eight and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. so that was really a, a huge influence on uh, on the music that I that I write. Okay, and so um, you you left a career teaching history? Is that what you were teaching? No, 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 no. I I went to Holy Cross College in Worcester, Mass., and was a history major. Oh, got you, got you. But you are a teacher, right? Well, I I have my own business now teaching music lessons, guitar and piano. Oh, I see. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Okay. Uh-huh. Now, I think we met through Gloria Lynn, didn't we? Yes, we did. Yes. Right. Gloria, of course, who recorded I Wish It Would Snow uh, for me. It was, her, it was her final recording before she passed. And mm-hmm. then it was in that movie, uh, Seasons of Love, which was on um, Lifetime in 2014. Mm-hmm. Okay. But Renee was a member before you became a member of Women Correct. in Jazz. Okay, Correct. is Renee a musician too? She is not, but she has certainly down uh, through the years as a quiet a musician soul, <laughs> I think you could say. 
she's got very good ears now, and uh, I'm glad that you brought her up because it, it, it sounds like a cliche, but in this case it's not. I, I So much of uh, what I've been able to achieve is, is thanks to Renee. Uh, I can't put that strongly enough. That's terrific. Well, I'm going to play I Found You in honor of Renee, okay? Before you play it, be aware of that. That was a song that that I wrote for uh, my son John and his uh, to-be wife Erica. So this was their a wedding song that I wrote for them. Beautiful. Okay, I found you by Larry Cantwell.
Oh, that sounded like a wedding song. I found you. Love is in the air. <laughs> so my guest is Larry Cantwell, who yes. is a member of Women in Jazz South Florida. He's a composer, and he wrote a very poignant song, Something's Wrong with America. Now, Larry, you also have Only an American. Tell us about that song. Okay, so with that song, um, this is a, a, a folk song, almost like a, like a Bob Dylan-ish type of folk song. Um, and the title was meant to be almost a turnaround or ironic look at how Americans in general always pride themselves on being able to speak their minds. But it seemed to me in thinking about it that oftentimes Americans don't speak their minds about a lot of important things, but are more than happy to share their opinions like on sports and things like that. Um, also, what the song is about was looking uh, at poor people, how they've been uh, abused and, and fed really a, a lot of lies and things like that um, and, and taken advantage of. So that's basically what the, uh, the the gist of the song is. Okay. Well, we'll listen, and then we'll come back and discuss it. Okay? Okay. All right. Only an American. Job in a 
the wolves have been fed And now they're telling me The truth is dead I'm only an American And I'm living in fear They only say What they want you to hear Uh, then came back to New York, 
and um, was in what we call club dates, uh, playing for orchestras in uh, mostly in Long Island. Uh, did a lot of high-profile you know, jobs in, in Long Island and in the city, uh, playing the World Trade Center and, and, and uh, Rainbow Room and things like that. Uh, during the last several years, I've been more on the teaching front and the composing front. That's what's I, been happening. Okay, good. Now, do you miss performing? The answer to that is yes, I do. Uh, yes, and so I, I I do have plans to return to it. I would not regard myself as someone who is you know done with that. Uh, even within the last couple of years, there have been times I've I've gone out a few times, but certainly not to the degree in which I did before. But yes, uh, I intend to return to it. Yeah, I think musicians crave the audience. You know, they they need an audience. Yes. You know, yes, once it gets get, into your soul, it, it's always there. Yeah, and and there's a, there's a, what is the word I'm looking for? It's an exchange that happens between Definitely. a symbiotic relationship. You know, the energy that we give off and that people take, they give it back to us in ways... Correct that a lot of times are surprising, very surprising, you know. Yes, I know exactly what you're saying. Sometimes you'll play in front of audiences, and from the start, you're completely connected to them. And in a sense, there's no wrong you can do. And then sometimes you'll play with other audiences, and it takes a lot of work to get them to unpack their baggage. (laughs) I guess that's one way to put it, Uh, to get them loosened up a bit. And, and to connect to what you're doing. So it, it, it is an interesting process. Do you still perform out regularly, uh, Diva Jonesy? I do not. I retired in 2014. Right. Yes. So. And how about you yourself? Know, do you, you miss it? No. You don't miss it. Okay. <laughs> I love, because, you know, I do lectures. Like I'm going to do, I did a lecture yesterday on blues women for seniors here in Delray Beach, Florida. Tonight Uh, we're going to do a Zoom meeting and tomorrow a blues singer from North Carolina, Pat Mother Blues Cohen, who is delightful. I mean, she did what a difference a day makes yesterday. uh, And I was transported. Uh, you know, because younger singers, they don't have that same vibrato and yeah. um, what am I trying to say? They they don't have the same character that the singers uh, yeah, have. Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. There's a, there's a, you know, a vibe. I, I have a, a kind of a theory on that. And, and my feeling is that I I think when we were younger, I think people our age lived the music more and were, uh, more by living it more, I mean like a 24-7 experience. I think it's harder for young musicians today uh, to do that. And also, in their defense, it's, there aren't as many places to play for them um, like there were. You know, like when, when I was coming up, you could play it like a, like a VFW and Knights of Columbus or the high school dance and you know, there are ways for you to, you know, get your act together as a player in front of a live audience. And a lot of those things don't exist 
uh, for young musicians now, and I think it makes it harder on them. You know, I, I really do. It's yeah, not that the talent yeah. isn't there. The talent is definitely there. <laughs> but I think that the two-chord structure of music today is kind of bland. You know, they they it's, improvise on it has two become chords. Bland. Yeah, and and there's no uh, there's no delight in the music. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, well, I think there was this this fella. His name is Rick Beato. Is his name? He does like a YouTube series, and he did a video recently on that very subject. Why is uh, today's music so boring? And uh, uh, it's a big reason that structurally, uh, it's just very unimaginative. Uh, a lot of it, and you, you know, if you were to go back and listen to you know Miles Davis, and or, or even if you go back to the old American Songbook, it was in the 30s and the 40s. It was far more sophisticated than what we have today. Yeah, we're spoiled by that richness of the music. You know, I learned how to play the piano playing Duke Ellington and Carl Antonio Carlos Jobim. You right. Know? And right. the music today is, it doesn't begin to have the intricacies, you know. And I, no. I really blame that on smooth jazz, even though everybody seems to love it. But I think smooth jazz, you know, just kind of diluted the music. To the point yes. of ad nauseum. <laughs> well, you can't make music too simplistic. You know, if you look at listen to John Coltrane or, or, or you know so much stuff, like it's it's challenging music. Charlie Parker, you you have to it's challenging music, and you have to dig into it. It's not uh, you know just a bland experience. And I think we've become in our society we are we're just we're all distracted, and it's it's uh, it's come at a price. It's coming to price. Yeah. So what is your next project, Larry? Well, the what? next project that I'm doing is, uh, you know, I, I continue to record songs. So I'm, I'm uh, recording a song now called For Renee, and it's for, obviously for my wife. And I've got a whole bunch of other songs in the, in the wings waiting to be done. And uh, I, I'm always busy. Okay. Well, my name is Renee too. Is that is that your middle name or what? Yes. Yes, I'm Joan Renee. But now, do you spell it with two e's or one e? Because she's one e. Right. I'm two e's with the accent over the second e. Right. That's <laughs> usually what most people are. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> okay. So now, what about the song? Like it used to be. Like it used to be. Well, this was a song. Uh, I was. I heard the song "Turning Tables" from Adele, and said, "Well, that's kind of an interesting song." By the way, Adele's made some very interesting songs in the last couple of years, and they are musically mm-hmm. challenging. So while we're on the subject, uh, so anyway, okay. so I tried to write one like that, and uh, out came uh, "Like It Used to Be," and rather interestingly. On this, uh, my uh, one of my ex students, a young lady by the name of Avigail Schiff, uh, sang the song, 
and uh, mm-hmm. she did a great job. Matter of fact, she also sang another song. We did two songs that time. There's another song she sang called Just Go, which uh, if you listen to it sometime, is, is a Me Too movement song. So we had uh, done two songs back in that session. And on this song, it's uh, pretty simple. Um, it's just myself on the piano, and then uh, the strings were done by uh, Jay DeTamo. And uh, I would be remiss if I did not rem- mention uh, the contributions of Jay DeTamo uh, towards my music. He's been the, uh, the drummer on the songs, and he does things like this, the strings, and all, uh, so much of the production work, and has uh, done uh, far more <laughs> than... You, you can ask a, a human being to do in, in, in support of what I do. And also worth mentioning is Axel uh, Belobeck, and he has been also a very, very helpful and a great piano player uh, through, through uh, many of the things that I've done down through the years. Got to mention people. You know, you're supposed to mention the musicians, that's for sure. You, you know that's whether without right. your musicians helping you out. So. Now, did did I send you copies of Music Man and Music Woman magazine? No, you did not. Okay, I'm going to put that on my agenda of things to do. Send the magazine. And we're going to play this song like it used to be. Okay. All right. Thank you. All righty.
That was the pretty music, Larry. Thank you that very was, much. Yeah. Yeah, she yeah. did a wonderful job on the song. And what's her name? Avi Gail Schiff. A V I um G A Y I L Schiff. S H S C H I double F. Okay. Avi Gail Schiff. Nice, very nice music. So, we are moving ahead. Music doesn't stop. The pandemic couldn't stop it. (laughs) Right, that's exactly right. Couldn't stop it. The muse is always around. You just got to, that's one of the things, getting back to that fellow Mike Longo, and Dizzy Gillespie felt it too. He said, you know, the music is there. You just got to, be open to it. Let it come into your heart. And that's the case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I bet there was a lot of new music written this year. In the last oh, I'm sure. year. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Yes. Yeah. How so, about yourself? You uh, writing? Well, I, <laughs> that's funny. It's, it's a joke right now because I am writing a song with a friend. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> But it's the ongoing. Good, your uh, stuff sounds good, but you're quite the singer. Come on, get get your stuff out there still, right? Don't be shy about it. You sound terrific. Thank you. Well, it's there for people to hear. All they have to do is Google Joan Cartwright. That's it. That's right. <laughs> it doesn't take tremendous effort. <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. Um yes. I discourage my students from going to find it because they find everything that I ever did. So, <laughs> yeah, you got to be careful with that. I, I'll tell you a funny story. I was going through. I have a lot of stuff in my basement, and I came across some old tapes, and some of this stuff dates back to the '70s, and it's reel-to-reel stuff. So I, um, see what I can do to get a reel-to-reel uh, to listen to it. You know, I don't know what it's going to be like. It could be <laughs> maybe keep it to yourself, or maybe there's a few gems in there. I'll find out. You never know when you go that far back into your archives. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just put a piece from 1990 on our HCDs, and it's just a, a one minute of a song that I wrote a long time ago called uh, Bye Bye to the Blues. You know, right. so yeah, you, those songs, they're heirlooms, you know. Right. Music so did you enjoy listening is, to that uh, stuff from back in 90? I do, of course. Yeah, I right. I, I can listen to stuff I did back then and, and enjoy it. Yeah. And, it doesn't absolutely. mean yeah. <laughs> oh, Just because so it was I, old doesn't mean it was bad what you did back then. It could be great. You know, it could be oh. things that you did that were really good and you, you forgot about how good they were. Yeah, well, my voice was a lot younger then, too. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So well, I maybe it's a case to... like Bob Dylan. I was so much older then, I'm younger than that now. <laughs> so but I'm sure yeah. that's the case. That's true. That's true. <laughs> well, yes. listen, I want to continue to hear your music. So keep me in the loop. If you have any events coming up, let me know so I can put it in the newsletter. Okay, okay. I will definitely do that. 
and I will mail you a copy of the magazine. I've okay. overlooked sending them to you, so I will get them out to you. Okay. Yes. I'm gonna play something's wrong with America again because I want to hear okay. it again. Thank you. Okay. <laughs>
powerful song. I mean, I want to know, Larry, yes. what do you plan for this song? What are you doing with it? Well, that's an open-ended question right now. Uh, I'd like to get it so that it was heard by as many people as possible, um, get it out into the mainstream. Um, that is a difficult thing to do uh, these days. So I I don't have a complete, clear answer for that. Um, I'd like to see if it could be in documentaries and and I like it was on the radio, you know, that it was just a commonly heard song. I, I, when I, when, as I said last year, there's this time with the George Floyd demonstrations. Um, I was thinking that it could be like an anthem. If people were on the streets uh, protesting, they could be yelling this out. You know, something's wrong. What's wrong? And um, so, you know, one of the problems with having the Internet, I'm sure as you well know at your disposal, is like, you have the whole world at your feet to listen uh, to your music, and you have everything and nothing all at the same time. You know, how do you get uh, these songs exposed to the world in, in the truest sense of the word? Because if, you, say, for example, if you had something on Apple, iTunes, uh, on there, they're always going to push younger people. If you just click on iTunes, they're, they're there. And if you were to look for myself or, or you or people like ourselves, you got to dig in there, and they're not focusing on it. And then, plus, if you factor in things like YouTube and Spotify, pay, don't pay uh, any real money to musicians uh, and stuff. So it's, of course, a difficult thing uh, to, to do to really get the kind of mass exposure that you'd like. So it's, we're pursuing that. <laughs> I guess that's a, the answer I can give to you is that. Well, are you going to do a video, a music video? Yeah, we're going to do a video, and uh, yes, yes, we are. That's the answer to the question. Yes, that that would be one way because people on YouTube. Well, my daughter just clued me with it that people will watch a moving video before they watch. You know, like a slide presentation, you know. So, yes. yeah, you need to get out there and get a couple of camera people and get the message out there because it's saying it all. You know? Right. Thank you. Yes. Well, we, we have pursued, you know, my original idea for a video would have been if, if you took, uh, you know, each line of the song and put an image uh you don't like it when you know when we take a knee and stuff like that if you had like say colin kaepernick uh, and you don't like when we march through the streets so that's one way where you could actually have a, a film an image to fit each part of the lyrics and another one which we were probably more strongly considering would be just a, a lyric video with occasional images uh, you know, just to get the point across. So, so we're we're pondering you that. Should, I think you should have a group of people, and they're acting it out. You know, you got a, a police well, that's a thought, stop yeah. people. Uh, you you know, you're in a um, stadium and somebody takes a knee. I think you can get those shots. You know, right? I think this right. is I think this is a powerful message. 
that needs to Thank be a, fi- a video. It needs to be a live video. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, then, you, we, believe me, it's on the table for us to do that. I can assure you. Well, I some of these young people who do that, you know what I'm saying, play the song right. for them. And, like, I have a friend here uh, who has a nonprofit called Quiet on the Set. Yes. And she teaches teenagers how to make films. Uh, If you connected with somebody up there that does that with young people and get them to make the video, you know? Right. That's a good idea. You're right. Yeah. Then you're getting them the message and you're getting them to create another vehicle for the message. Right. Yeah, that's that. That's why we have these conversations like you and I are having because you you have now come up with something that I wouldn't have thought of, you know? Well, my daughter does this. So, you know, and my first um, degree was communicate television production. So I'm always uh-huh. looking at how the music can translate on a screen, you know? Right. So get to work. <laughs> yes, thanks. I've got my I've got my marching orders. <laughs> you do. I want to see Thank you, you soon. And when you get it done, we'll promote the heck out of it. You know. Good. In okay, the meantime, in the meantime, I'm gonna, you know, tell people to listen to this because you you write beautiful music, Thank lovely you. music, you know. And I'm very happy that you're a member, and I hope you will continue to be a member. And also, I want to put out maybe number nine, because we just put out number eight CD. Okay. I want to put out number nine with some of our male members. Okay. Okay, that's a good idea, yes. Diane, I'm doing radio. Give me five minutes, I'll call you back. (laughs) Or you call me back. Call me back. Okay, I'll call you back Monday, okay? Okay, darling. Thanks. All right, thank you. Okay, I'm sorry. That was somebody I needed to talk to. Um, That's okay. Anyway, <laughs> I love this technology, Larry, because this technology has enabled me to grow this organization. Yes. To 300 and 87 members. And I tell you, they collaborate with each other. They promote each other. They, You know, it's just really wonderful association. So keep it up. Let us know what you're doing. And don't hesitate if you need my, you know, comments or advice. I love this song. Okay, thank you. I will. I definitely will. I can assure you. All right. So, thank you for being my guest today. Thanks and for having me. At five o'clock on YouTube, if you go to my Facebook page, you'll see me in a blue outfit. 
And at 5 okay. o'clock, that lecture is going to premiere. I did it at okay. the Norton Museum. I did it at the Norton Museum of Art in West Palm Beach. So watch it, okay? You and Renee, watch it. Definitely, we will. Okay. Well, thank okay, you. Okay, well, again, thanks Alex. for having me. And of course, we'll be talking. Definitely. All right. Okay, Diva jo- JC, thanks a lot. Okay. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. W-I-J-S-F dot com. Women in Jazz South Florida, Inc. is a nonprofit educational organization that promotes women musicians globally through events.